Today on Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're taking our musical memory machine back to 1993 to look at the songs and the albums that turned 30 this year. It was a solid year for rock and roll with verses from Pearl Jam, In Utero from Nirvana, and Siamese Dream from Smashing Pumpkins. Debut albums from The Counting Crows, The Cranberries, Bjork, Tool, Collective Soul, Candlebox, Lendy Kravitz, Snoop Dogg, and The Wu-Tang Clan. We got a lot of great music to talk about in this one and some not-so-good tunes, too. So let's get rolling. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 57. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm so happy to be here tonight talking about the music in 1993 with my good friend and co-host, Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and our show is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia at 17th and Shunk Streets, which is also the home to watch the Super Bowl. Yes, it's the place to watch the Super Bowl. Dude, we are we are spoiled this year with the sports, man, between the Holy Phillies shit. going to the World Series and the uh, Eagles going back to the Super Bowl. So, oh, dude, it's a bar owner's dream come true, especially sure, in man. Philadelphia, man. Holy shit. Our teams suck all the time, you know, and both of the blam blam. We're in the World Series and the Super Bowl. I saw you say on Facebook, people were calling the bar asking about like reservations oh, for yeah. the Super Bowl. That's that's stupid. Ridiculous. You know, like people calling to make reservations at McCusker's. Come on. First come, first served. Thank you. The white glove concierge will uh, show you to your seat, sir. I was like, but. cash only, ATM will be present, no, no tabs. Let's go. Well, I hope it's uh, I hope it's really busy there for it, man. It should be a good time. I'm looking yeah, forward I, to the game. I, I think so. it's going to be slamming, bro. I think yes. uh, we're, we're in for a good time. If we get more mileage out of the episode we did on the, uh, the, uh, the ultimate concerts uh the ultimate songs to listen to at a sporting event yeah i mean go back and listen to that one all those songs will get you pumped up we did it back in the in the fall for the phillies and then lo and behold you know get to get to use it again i'll have to share it on our social media try to get some more mileage out of that so that was a fun one yeah it was fun it was it was cool the head honcho for pantheon uh peter actually flew out he lives in california but he's from philadelphia and he flew out here for the game uh on sunday so oh wow i was trying to make i was trying to meet up with him to uh, grab lunch or a beer or something but he it just didn't work out but you know told him next, next time next, next time man we'll get him down to mccusker's so yeah be awesome be, yeah it'd be, be a good time but tonight uh we're doing our annual thing where we take a look at the music that turns 30 years old in 2023 we started that uh, when we did 1991 and we talked about how 1991 was the greatest year in rock and roll history. And then we did last year, 92. And this year we're doing 1993. 93 uh, is killer, dude. I enjoyed doing this so much, man. Um, yeah. We're the same age. I'm a, I'm a couple months older than you, but 
1993, uh, junior year of high school, started to become a senior. It's when I started working at Sam Goody, my senior year of high school. So a lot of this music is stuff that I first heard working in the music store. And yeah. so much of this stuff was like albums that I haven't listened to in a really long time. But I was like, I was so enjoying going back and listening to this stuff again. I was listening to this stuff all week. I was back um, at my mother's house doing some things for her. And I was listening to our playlist and 1993 playlist on Spotify. And all the songs like came back to me. And I'm listening to it in my old room. And I was like, wow, this is really trippy. Like, I, like I'm in a time machine. You know, it's like you don't listen to songs in a long time. And you do. And the memories come popping back. You definitely there's songs that you just associate with just a place or a thing and you hear it and you're automatically right back there. That's that's the great thing about music. It's a you know, it's like a picture book, but the picture book's in your head. Well said. And it's like I kind of said in the beginning in the monologue, like the musical memory machine, because you're right. It's like you're you're taking a trip back to those days and you know, you just associate songs with memories. Really cool. Yeah. That's the great thing about music, bro. And we also we have a shit ton of stuff to talk oh about. Oh my god! But I sent so you the diverse, outline, man. Like I sent everything. you the outline, and you were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like like just the list of bands and albums and really bad songs on the list. You you really did your homework on this one. The electric chairs. We're gonna need one of those like prize wheels. We spin to find <laughs> the song. And there's so much stuff, and I put something on Facebook. Like, uh, hey, we're that's what this is what we're doing this week, and I'm enjoying listening to this stuff. And then all my buddies just it just blew up in this big conversation about you got to talk about this and this album. Oh my god, I remember this and that. And it was just it was really really cool. I was really enjoying it. Everybody in like you know around the 46, 47, 48 age group can definitely identify with this year of music, and maybe you know will hopefully bring some really good memories back to our listeners. For me, starting to work in a music store just really expanded my music taste. Like I, you know, I was always into rock and roll, like yeah. just you know the Chili Peppers and Metallica and shit like that. But starting to work in the music store, there's a couple albums that are going to come up in this that I really, really like that are not rock and roll. Yeah, sure. just just being around it all the time just really opened my mind. And uh, this is the year I probably became a real music nut. You know, I, I started working at Sam Goody because some of my my track buddies from high school did it. And I'm like, yeah, I need a job. Sure. Um, but yeah, it just opened my mind to all kinds of cool shit. So this was before I met you in yeah, 90 a couple of years. Yeah, dude. In 93, I think I was working at pet boys and I didn't meet you till later on. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, uh, I want to say like 96, we, we met working at blockbuster music together and then, wow at sam goody together so when blockbuster wow. music closed i went back to sam goody and, and i followed you and, there and you followed me over there man <laughs> i'm so, dedicated and, and then here we are 30 years later oh, still going man. down the road so unreal all right man i'm gonna let's just start diving into this grunge stuff the two really big grunge albums that came out in 93 were pearl jam versus and in utero from nirvana and i yeah let's start with pearl jam dude this was a great like the the it versus was, album yeah. dude so and it was so different than 10 it was more earthy it and they were i don't know they were real experimental on it i think i hadn't listened to this album in a really long time um 
it's it's one of my favorite man they're like just you know we we opened the show with animal and i remember them coming out and making that a single you know and that was like they didn't even make a video for that shit this was the year that they stopped making videos because they were all and they started doing less interviews and all that other kind of stuff Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah. Um, Remember, it was really hard to go see them in concert. Well, you know. We could talk about Ticketmaster. We could do our own show on Ticketmaster. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah. Hey, that's a great idea. Yeah. Put it <laughs> See, on the this list. Is how dude. we come up with shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they were trying to sue Ticketmaster or whatever, and they failed. And then they sold out and bought in. In terms of like this album in 10 is like, I mean, following up your day a huge debut album with another really solid album you know it's like a not a lot of bands come out with like two albums in a row like the first two albums are just uh the guys over at the imbalance history of rock and roll it's two guys on the uh they're on the pantheon network and it's the two uh philadelphia rock and roll djs they did a whole show on bands that have their first two albums are great and i i don't remember if they had pearl jam on there they had stone temple pilots but i don't remember if they had pearl jam or not other other go back and listen to it stp can't touch pearl jam dude no of course not but those but their first two albums are great too 
But yeah. Pearl Jam, yeah, Pearl Jam's in a whole nother another class. But yeah. What was the other one we we're gonna talk about? Nirvana Utero? Yeah, yeah. That I never Pearl got Jam- into this album. I didn't either. I like it. I don't sit down and listen to it very much. I was never a big Nirvana fan. You've said that these before. days. Yeah, they were it was too much of a bummer for me. You know, it was I, like I this, get that. This is when like the metal meltdown was going on. Like Motley Crue wasn't cool anymore. You know, all that shit was like, you know, you had Guns N' Roses around, but they were about it, like left over from that scene, that Sunset Strip scene, you know? This was also, yeah, I dude, I get it. And they, they, a lot of the grunge stuff too, man, was songs about drug abuse and oh, suicide yeah, it, and shit. Yeah, it did get a lot more serious coming off of the hair metal scene of the 80s, but this album was their last studio album. You know, they, they cranked it out in just like two weeks. Unreal. And it does kind of have that little, they, they do have that kind of punk unpolished sound to them. I think that's a big part of their sound is rawness. Yeah. You had a uh, rape me on here from Nirvana. Let's, uh, let's play a little bit of that. He's such a tragic figure, man, because he wound up becoming the voice of a generation and he didn't want to be. No, I mean, I that song is really controversial or just, yes. you know, holy shit. He's saying rape me. But I, I, you know, artistically, I think he's talking about the record companies and shit like that, that are taking his art and something that he ultimately didn't want to do. But everybody kind of made him do it. You know, and he's just like, all right, motherfuckers, you want some songs? Here's a fucking song. That's just what I see anyway. That's a good point. Yeah. He I don't know, man. As I get older, I just I find him to be a very tragic figure that he was absolutely thrust into into fame and never really liked it. And then, of course, he committed suicide over it. So awful. Yeah. Awful. And especially too, man. I mean, that's well, he died 94. So but this was just. That's a move. That's the moment of rock and roll that everybody our age, like you remember when you heard that. Yeah, it changed. It changed everything because that you song know? just changed, changed everything. You yeah. know, that song just changed music. And then when he died, I mean, that's that's Elvis. That's. Oh, yeah. And he's know. in the 27 Club. That it's, it's even, yes. you know, which is ridiculous anyway. To have yeah. a club, 27 Club. I think he he's. The voice of generation, but you know, he like you said, he couldn't deal with it. I, yeah, I he I'm, never, he was never the voice of me. Like you know, like I never got down with any of his music until years and years and years later that I can appreciate the Nirvana music. Yeah, you know? I mean, just the way you've talked about it, though. Like I don't, I don't 
you get it. You understand oh, yeah. what they meant. You're just kind of like, yeah, it's just not my thing. So yeah. that's, that's fine, man. That's a great thing of rock and roll is you like what you like. You know? Yeah. And, I, you know, I was real in the technical shit. And obviously they're they weren't that technical. Sure. You know, it's but then again, it's like, you know, by the time this fucking album came out, all the meatheads were listening to Nirvana and having the Nirvana T-shirts on. That made me sick to my stomach. You know, here here's a fucking my generation of meatheads praising like fucking Nirvana. Like, come on. That's what you know, that whole first record is about, like of them becoming that. And they were, and that's what they were at the end. They did ultimately get swallowed up by the fame that they created around them. Okay. Let's just keep rolling, man. There's so many, there's so many albums on this list. The next one I put up here was alternative music. And this was kind of like, I don't know. I was like, I don't even know what the hell alternative is, but I put on the alternative station on Sirius and a lot of this stuff comes up. So I was like, all right. Now, the first album that I put on that in this list was uh, Siamese Trees by Smashing Pumpkins. I've, some people argue that they're a grunge band. I don't think they are. I don't even you don't know what think the they're hell. a grunge band. I don't know, man. They're like, do you? I think they're like totally. They they sound they're they different. Than, it, they they're not. Or they're definitely a rock and roll band per se. You know, yeah. But like they have definitely a, a deeper sound than a regular rock and roll band does. You know, their songs are like more mystical than rock and roll songs they're not as like sludgy as some of the other like you know Alice in Chains or some of the uh, Stone Temple Pilots or bands like that yeah I mean they have some upbeat songs like they had they were big with uh, Today that was a big fucking song I didn't want to I put what I put on our playlist I didn't put Today on there because that song sucks Cherub Rock I'll play right now yeah right on Great song. I'm not the biggest fan of theirs. I do like that song, though. Yeah, that's why I picked that one, because I think it's underrated. Maybe our listeners don't know it. I was reading a little bit, too, of how dysfunctional they were when they were recording this. So James oh, yeah. Eha and Darcy oh, yeah. had been dating and they broke up. Jimmy Chamberlain was doing drugs out the ass. And Billy Corgan, who's always kind of struggled with depression, he had a nervous breakdown while he was recording it because they were this was their major label debut. So they were under a lot of pressure to sure. hit something. And they were working with uh who produces Butch Vig, who did Nevermind was right. producing one. So they he's had, awesome. they had a, he's great. Yeah, and he's also in garbage. Yes. But they he had a ton of so they had a ton of pressure on them. And it's a great album, man. It was it was huge. It was a smash. Yeah. I think this is before they got they got a little too pretentious for me or, or yeah. Billy Corgan did. I don't think they're a grunge band. I think they're an alternative band. I think so too. You know. It definitely has a grunge tone, but they're definitely I don't know. They're like you said, it has more rock and roll to it. 
there's like a bigger like the sound is is it's not it's bigger and not as crunchy it's like the the guitars were like fuzzier than some yeah. of the other grunge stuff but it just like his over the, the over layers of his voice vocally you know if you really listen to it you know he's a he's another dude i mean he learned from the best how to produce music you he, know like they they're just coming out with like a three part album this year that I think is a follow up to one of the other might have been a follow up to Melancholy and Infinite Sadness like a rock I opera. Could, I couldn't get into Melancholy, bro. No, that was they got a, that's when they got too much for me. Yeah, it just got really I don't played know. out and shit. Good yeah, for them. A, good for got, them. He, you know, he got too artsy for me some of his stuff, and then when they broke up, and he was kind of saying like. Well, we're breaking up because nobody will understand our music. And I was like, well, no, maybe, maybe you know, I just, I don't yeah, know. He's I'm kinda, not down with that kind of stuff. He's kind of fool of himself, but he'd be friends of the show. So I never. He, right. <laughs> you, right. He's, he is personal friends with the Blue Meanie, who is a friend of the show. So, you know, we, uh, we don't trash him too hard. All right. We'll keep on rolling. Darcy from Smashing Pumpkins was hot too. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. definitely hotter than the chicken white zombie. And she's she also had a she's very like her drug problems. I think she kind of went off the rails with her life and she's been in some uh, some shitty like domestic abuse. There's some like real there's some real shitty pictures floating around on the Internet of her like beat up and stuff. Wow. It's just, like, I've never I'll, seen any of that. Yeah. And I don't think they're supposed to be on the Internet. I just kind of I don't remember. Yeah. It's a shame. I felt you felt kind of bad for like what and you know she got kicked out of the band and everything else. But. What's weird is that that Billy Corgan goes out there as the sm- Smashing Pumpkins, and he has some chick playing bass for them, like to keep that you know original image together. That's fucking weird. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't even know how many of those guys are still in right because Jimmy Chamberlain and went to Pearl Jam. No, it's no, Matt no, Cameron. no, no. Matt Cameron. I'm sorry from Soundgarden. But I, James Eha was out of the band for a while. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Even Somebody died in that band. Remember their keyboard player? Yes. Overdose? Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. All right. Right on. So rolling on. You uh, two Zeropa. Love it. Do you? I don't like yes. this album. Uh, come on, the Edge. It's too. I I do like the song you put numb on here. Dude, I I do on. like that song with him. The video. It was, dude, his, it was his moment to shine. I like that song. Yeah. That the video is really weird, man. It is like it's supposed it's the, to be. Yeah, they were uh, like, dude. Just years before that, they were like, you know, rattle and hum, being taken really seriously, and now like Octo Baby, they were being really not so serious. But then they got like real, you know, funny there for a minute. The whole album's not that great, but like numb is the shit. Play it. All right, here. Get on board, don't fail on yourself, just play another chord. If you feel it getting bored. Don't change your brain, don't listen to the band, don't 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 change your This was like so like surprisingly it came out when it did it was like they were still on tour for 
the Octone Baby thing. It, it's only been like a year since that album is out, maybe two years. And then they come out with this real fast. You know, they had Lemon on there. They had another song on there. It was a slow song. I can't, I can't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, but, that's um, all right. I, I love when Numb got the attention that it did because it was all the edge. And, yo, listening to that on headset was fucking killer. Yeah. Like all the layers that are it's going on in the background of everything. And Bono coming up singing the high part like, like did at the end. But he's also deep in the, in the track. You can hear him doing little notes. Killer he was like, headset. It's a big killer. At the, begin, at the beginning of it, you could hear him like... As it was just the song was starting, I heard yeah. his voice a little bit. I first time I ever listened to it with headphones on, but I do like that song. I don't, this is also a stage in their career where like they started, they turned a corner. I guess Octung Baby, they started doing that. They got a lot more like electronic, and they got their sound got a lot more complicated. Well, they did that album, and then they did pop right after that. So like they were still like making fun of themselves, I guess. Like pop was them making fun of themselves. They had some great songs on that album, but they were definitely making fun of themselves when Zuropa came out. The Zoo TV, uh, the Zoo TV tour was really big too, right? That's when he, yeah, you know, uh, their stage show kind of went to a whole nother level with all that. He stuff. was like, they would give him a telephone, and on the big screen, they would show commercials from the local area. And a pizza shop came up and the phone number came up. So Bono called the pizza place up and ordered so many whatever pizzas. And everybody walked out with a slice of pizza. Huh? You never I heard that? I don't, no, I never heard that story. Holy that's shit. Great. That's like, oh, yeah. That's funny. There was a couple times he called the White House with the huh. phone. Yeah, that, I, I didn't get the I was I didn't get to see that tour. I, I don't know why it was that veteran's. Uh, not Zuropa, but the Octone Baby Tour it was. It came to Philadelphia. I didn't go. It was that Veteran Stadium. Primus opened up for them. Ah, oh, that would have been great. Yeah. He just uh, did. You see, he uh, Les Claypool's getting the Flying Frog Brigade back together. They're going out on the road this summer. Well, we have to go. They're not playing in Philadelphia. Not yet. He hasn't announced any Philly dates yet. So there's road nothing trip. like there's nothing road in the area, but. It was uh, really cool. He's getting the band back together. I'll have to take a look and see uh, see what, see what where they're playing. All right, man. I want to keep rolling here. I got a couple other albums that I had in this bucket. Uh, Bjork, her debut album. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a really different. cool song. Yeah. It was alternative. Let's play she's, a little bit of it. Here's yeah, a, she's human, got a pretty voice, you know. Human behavior. Yeah. And you. A little too weird for me. She was in that band, uh, the Sugar Cubes, before sure. that. Yeah, sure. and that was always. I think when we were in high school, that was the band that like the cool kids knew about. They were never yeah. mainstream. All the, all the Joy Division band kids, right? Yeah, 
I like her because she's always trying different stuff. Some of her things are. Yeah, she's way out there. It's too far. It's too much for me. But some of her stuff I do like. I think she really helped bring a lot of that electronic sound into yeah. uh, alternative rock and roll, too. Yeah. I like that song. I like uh, I I think it's cool. Like her voice, you can hear a little bit of an accent when she sings because she's Who is she from Iceland. Yeah, she's Icelandic. So you can hear a little bit of like an accent in her voice. Oh, and, she totally sounds her English is like broken. Yeah, it, it does sound like that a little bit. And it's she always does like interesting stuff. Like her voice kind of is high there. And then it's got that really deep drum beat going behind it. And she's just cool. She's and she's still making. She is cool. Yeah, good music. So she's she's so talented. Oh, you know, whoever captured her, I don't know who produced that album. And her the second album she came out with a couple of years after that was fucking awesome too. That was also had some really weird, like some videos um, and stuff. And some of it's a little bit too weird for me, but I can appreciate it. The videos were sick. Her yeah. running through the jungle or some shit. The giant teddy bear was chasing her. Yes. In one of the songs. It might have been on this this song. Um, yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I was enjoying it. I went. This is one of the albums I went back and listened to the whole thing the last week. And I was enjoying it. I always thought it was. Yeah. Going back when it was like over my head. You know, okay. I probably like it more now. I, I listened yeah. to that track a lot this week. And to hear on headphones, we say it all the time. There's so much shit going on. Definitely. In the background. Yeah definitely a lot of shit going on with her music so it's just a lot of layers a lot of complicated stuff a lot of different instruments yeah it's awesome all right moving on wow what i got on here next counting crows august and everything after great album this is just a great rock and roll record yes i love the counting crows this album and second album i really loved also i was thinking about working in the music store and I'm going to date myself, but it was like we had a cassette player that we play the music with. Sure. So we would always be playing like the first half of this album all the time instead of playing the whole, you know, you play half of it and then you you pop it out and throw something else in. But uh, yeah, it is crazy. Like this album, like Mr. Jones got my attention, but it wasn't until I heard Round Here that it really got my attention. I was like, wow, this dude has something to say. You know, wow. Like, and then you know that whole album is fucking unbelievable what did i put on there rain king let's play some of that let's do it yeah I love that song. My band again, plays it again. Listening to it with the headphones on. There's an acoustic guitar in there. There's just oh, a lot yeah. of stuff. Having organs going on in the background. Doing this show has changed the way I listen to music too. Like I sure. sometimes I stop and I my brain zooms in on the bass line or the drums more, and it's just a uh, really really cool. Yeah, I mean uh, they're they're a great band. I hate to say, but a lot of their songs are bummers. A lot of their songs are just so depressing i think that's why a whole generation got behind it 
you know, Generation X was not the happiest generation. No, we weren't. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's just, it's a great album. I mean, again, another band that they're still around. They're still making music. Their, their music kind of, they, they kind of like, yeah, their sound still holds up. They, they come around every once in a while with like the Wallflowers or something like that and play like a bigger venue, which is awesome. That's a great point because a lot of these bands have started teaming up and doing those like tours like that. I saw them with, uh, with live like that must 15, have been fun. 15 years ago yeah it was that must have been it was, awesome it was a it was a good show i remember it was pouring rain it was in an outdoor venue we we got soaked but yeah it was it was a good time they kind of did some songs together i think the guy from live came out and did hanging around with them and uh adam duritz came out and did a live song with them it was cool i saw the counting crows at the tower theater in upper darby philadelphia and that that was like 1996 and they brought the fucking house down it was very cool great show great cake opened up for them it was it always you know when i think of the counter crows that's the show that i remember most they weren't like the most popular band around but they were like well enough known to play you know the tower theater which is a huge theater in philadelphia it's one of the bigger venues not open anymore but you know Maybe it will come back one day. The tower? Is that the tower? The tower's still there. In Upper Darby? It's still there, but there's no shows going on. They had some art thing going on up there. There are no upcoming events. You're right. Shit. It's a shame. I know like it changed owner, it changed hands or you something. You know what they had there? They had the Van Gogh exhibit there. Not the exhibit, but the virtual reality Van Gogh thing. That was there. Which huh. is weird. It shows how out of touch I am that, you know, pay, not oh, paying dude, attention to I'm, shit, but, you know, I miss that venue a lot. I, I don't think it survived the pandemic. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Let's keep on rolling. The Cranberries debut album came out this year Ugh. in 1993. Ugh. Not a fan. No, I, I mean, yo, there were Irish. We accept them all right on for the Irish. But, you know, I don't I don't like her voice. It's a linger was like a really melodic song. And I remember everyone kind of went like WTF when like zombie came out because it was so different sounding. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was, you said they were real, like, I don't know. How can you say like real soft, real, like contemporary. And then they got fucking metal with zombie. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is that I never liked about them. Maybe it was because they were played out, you know, and, I necessarily don't like Chick Singers. I'm sorry. I felt that when she died, I was kind of surprised that so many people gave a shit. And I don't, I, I like, I know that sounds so rude, but it was kind of like, I was like, were they, was she that popular? Right. I was like, does she really that popular? They like, oh my God. Like, I just, well, you still go in the supermarket and you hear her songs in the supermarket. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a, you know, you meet something special when you hear it in the supermarket, you know? Right. They're not listening to us in the supermarket. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you. I remember listening to this album a lot. Uh, I I didn't listen to it front to back the last two weeks. Was it like something you had to listen to at Sam Goody? Yeah, Yeah. it's exactly what it was. That was probably I don't I don't remember owning a copy of it. I know the songs that are on the radio. I was driving around today and something linger was on or one of those songs. What song Uh, did I put on on our playlist? Dreams. Let's play it. All right, here we go. Oh, 
that's the song I like by them. And so she starts yodeling. It's got a good beat to it. I like the guitar work in it. Her sound of her voice is beautiful there. But they just played out that yodeling sound that that she came out with on the song. On every fucking song she did, it's something like a yodel. Between her and Jewel. Yes. You couldn't you couldn't go into a supermarket in the nineties without hearing somebody yodeling at you. <laughs> I, I I like Jewel's first album. Well, you know, we'll talk about when that year comes up. I think it's 95. Yeah, we got a couple of years till then. They were a big hit. This is the Cranberries. They were huge. They're still on the on every like easy listening channel and supermarkets and commercials. And you know, what the fuck do we know? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's another like when Linger comes on, I think a very specific like summertime being in high school. I just sure it's just tied to memories, but it's not absolutely a, it does yeah, remind me of driving around in my first car. Absolutely. It's not a band that I go seeking to go listen to. No, if I ever no, listen to them, it's no because means. it comes on. In no yeah. means. If anything, I turn the channel off if they come through. Just not my thing. I'm sorry. I try to be positive. It's all good, dude. All right. The last one that I had in this group is Liz Fair and Exile to Guyville. I've talked about this a couple of times before. Yeah. That this album was supposed to be her song by song response to Exile of Main Street by the Rolling Stones. I was and- trying to remember what it was this week. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and she, I mean, this album is number 56 on Rolling Stones, 500 greatest albums of all time. It was really kind of like girl power without the shitty, like girl power in the 90s was like the Spice Girls, but this was right. like rock and roll, punk rock. This fair kind of, I mean, yeah, little fair kind of shit. Yeah. This was more like punkish rock and roll. Yeah. She's cool. Even the album cover is like she's topless and it's just like yeah. cut so you can you can't see anything. Her nipples it's, like hanging out, isn't it? Bar- you barely, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I always be- noticed that working in the record store. It's before and she's kind of making like a like a O face on the oh. album cover. And it's before she went pop. It was really disappointing. Is there something uh, on there from Yeah, dude? I have put the song never said on here. All right, Let's here you go. An example. Right on. awesome i never heard that it's got that classic 90s kind of rock sound to it like alternative sound to it exile main street's my favorite rolling stone album we did a whole we did yeah, a whole oh, that's right that's right i forgot about that one now is she going song for song like response to everything on there is that what she's trying to do or I, she's I, just I, made a gritty album i believe it's supposed to be a song by song response to wow i really have on. to pay attention to that i, I like what i heard it, it definitely sound like something that was recorded exile-ish i think she did it like real basic like on a four track at home or some shit like that i don't i don't remember the whole story behind it it's very gritty she is a shame because later in her career she went uh 
like the sex route and it was kind of like you see a picture of her like naked like holding a guitar and the guitar is like covering all of her naughty bits and stuff and uh, lame it just wasn't it wasn't the same kind of punk edgy and her music kind of got poppy i get dude you know if she got paid off of it god bless her but absolutely yeah you know, but she was a great for the women's right movement or yeah. not that sounds awful i mean for women's music making it more identifiable that women are taking over in music in 93 yeah no i dude i totally get what you're saying it's like empowering that it's like a a cool rock and roll uh i don't want to say swinging dick but you know what i mean like it's just kind of like edgy edgy sound to it i don't remember any of it of her being on mtv at all unless it was on 120 minutes correct yeah Said, you know, that's another thing, too, is she, she was never really mainstream. You didn't hear her on the radio until she kind of went pop in the late 90s. She's cool. I'll have the, you know, I like her voice. It's worth I checking out. Yeah, her. I never I never not liked her. I just something don't know. You just never just, you just I just don't know. All right. Why don't we take a real quick break and hear from our sponsors and then circle back and we'll let's talk about some more rock and roll, and some heavy stuff. All right. Stick around. All right. I got a couple other rock and roll albums that I didn't know where to put them. And the first, the, I have two of them. The first one was Get a Grip by Aerosmith. And the other one was The Spaghetti Incident by Guns N' Roses. Love The Spaghetti Incident. Do you really? That's fucking right. I do. It's like, it was like, a, I'll get into it when we talk about it. Okay. Let's do it. And we'll talk about Aerosmith later. I put in my notes like this was the beginning of the end for Guns N' Roses. Are you fucking kidding me? This album is so fucking good. It's like an introduction to punk rock. Like, I mean, it's as it's produced as well as it ever can, can be. Punk rock can be. Punk rock's really gritty recording wise. I mean, Guns N' Roses just did a bunch of these punk rock covers, you know, but really oddly, remember the single was that old fucking doo wop song. Um, that was awful. Since I don't have you, that was fucking awful. But um, yeah, they, they did a lot of punk rock songs on there. There's a song on there now. Can we play it? Sure. What it was? What did I put on there? Hair of the dog. Yes. That's the, this, the Nazareth song. Yes. This is okay. fucking rocking. All right. Here we go. Pump it up. Okay. Yeah, everybody knows that song. I think sure. it's a great cover. They did a lot of they did like we remember we did our punk rock episode. They did they do new rose on there. I don't know. It was a real big introduction to me of punk rock because I only knew about the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, but this album opened it up more for me, knowing to find out more about other these other punk rock bands. Well, they I mean I remember that the doo-wop song and thinking it sucked it did and then, suck and then hearing the rest of it was all covers and then all the shit that they took because they covered the charles manson song oh yeah they covered that, that song that was awful that was a and, bad choice by them so and I, I was reading a little bit about that 
Like what made them do that? And they they did it, but they didn't put it on the copy that they sent out to like reviewers. So it didn't go to like Spin or Rolling Stone. And then when the album went out to production, it was on there, and everyone went bonker. Like what the what are you fucking doing? And then Axel's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> and he, he they donated all the money from it. Like they said, anytime they played it, they were going to um. We talked a little bit before about the royalties, where the royalties went for like Charles yeah. Manson music. And it was like, yeah. uh, you know, all the somebody said he was his kid, sued the estate, and all this other kind of shit. But he was um, he said he was going to give the money to like victims' families or something every time they played it. But they still took a ton of shit. Holy shit. That. I wonder what, what like Slash and the other guys in the band thought. Because, you know, Axel does whatever the fuck he wants to. You don't know what's going to come out until it comes out. And I was reading an interview with the band. I don't remember who said it, but they thought they were being cute. Like, ha ha, we're doing a Charles Manson thing. Well, they were the most dangerous band in the world at that time. Sure. That was so taboo. Charles Manson still is so taboo. And to do one of the songs, you know, I think people forget Manson was a musician. That was like the ultimate thing that was made him go berserk. That he was a failure in music. I think we sent that song to the electric chair, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I, th- I think but, we did. But I'm going to give Axel Rose the shitbag of the week for making that song happen. Shitbag of the week. Dun, dun, dun. Good call, right? Yeah. Uh, some heavy stuff. I didn't think this year wasn't like uh, 93 didn't have a ton of really awesome heavy metal music to it it was Uh, the meltdown the meltdown's going on bro one of my buddies mentioned that the sepultura album chaos id ad that came out he's like i listened to that my buddy sean from atlanta he's written in the show before he's like i have listened to that album every single day and i was kind of like oh yeah it didn't do anything for me i was never a huge like sepultura guy they're way too heavy for me yeah i mean not heavy enough but they're like almost cookie monster vocals yeah, they're right on that that edge. I but can't get down with that shit. There are two bands that well, I guess there's three. There's two bands on here that are like way more melodic that I put on the list. And the first one was Tool's album, Undertow. Great, great album. That that was like a turning point for music, that album. It was almost like they're saying, like, hey man, heavy metal's still here. Because it went mainstream, right? It got and a it lot was of it. It's still attention. alternative, also. Yeah, as much it was as like, metal is alternative. They were like progressive. Like yeah, metal sounds. Yeah, and I remember them being on Headbangers Ball. I just see them bigger as a metal band, bigger than a metal band. The videos were really weird. All the stop claymation motion. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Uh, we got Prison Sex on here. Let's play some of that. Love it. They have they have such like a the driving deep bass that's such yeah. a part of that sounds. Yeah, the drums are big in it too. Yeah, their whole rhythm section is just real churning, deep sounding. It's very cool. He's an interesting guy, Maynard. 
He's yeah. probably he's probably one of the most intelligent guys in rock and roll. And he's like a recluse too. Like he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's always wearing like weird outfits when he's on stage. Oh yeah, I was sitting like fifth row at, at one of the shows in the last five years, and he had like a riot gear on. It was f- fucking unreal. If you were sitting like fucking all the way on the other side of the stadium, you wouldn't be able to know what he looks like because he stands in the shadows. It's really weird to show how it's set up. He stands to the side on a platform and the lights and shadows and he hides in it and shit and sings. And the drummer is like right up front. It's a weird setup. They're weird. They're weird guys, man. <laughs> I've, I've heard that. He's a big like wine. He owns like a vineyard out in California. When we're doing the Les Claypool thing, Les Claypool owns a, a vineyard and was yeah. talking about how he like Les Claypool was like, you know, I own a vineyard, but I all I do is I drink the wine. He's like Maynard, yeah. like Maynard is involved in raising the crops and making the wine. And he's like real hands on. And I think he said he has a restaurant, too. It's just uh, oh, well, really, really great, interesting. Yeah, there's a great interview with Joe Rogan. That oh, really? With Maynard? With Maynard. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I'll check um, it out, man. I'll that he the only thing they talk about is his wine. Unfortunately, okay. that's all they talk about. But I'll check it Joe out. Joe Rogan to get him on the show is big. Yeah, sure, sure. The second biggest podcast in the world behind us. Behind us, sir. Right. Uh, the other band that I had on here, kind of melodic, weird stuff, was Typo Negative. Never, I've seen them in concert, and I just don't get it. I get it, but wow, you want to talk about depressing fucking music? Oh, this, yeah. <laughs> this guy, this fucking dude, what was his name? Uh, man, he died. Uh, yeah, he like killed himself, didn't he? No, he had uh, Peter Steele. He didn't. No, dude, he was clean. And then he had uh, diverticulitis, like uh, inflammation and in, like the, the nooks and crannies in your intestine. Oh, wow. And then it went septic and he died from it. But oh, wow. his, organs, his organs were all beat to shit from years all of the junk and shit. Yeah, like abuse and, and drugs. But he was clean when he when he died. That's a shame. But I, I remember him. I seen him in concert, right? He opened for Queensryche and he comes out and I'm sitting real close and I can see the look on his fucking face. And he's like, I wrote this song about me jumping off a, cl- a building and landing on someone that I hate. I was like, right on. <laughs> now I understand. And the other thing I remember everybody making a big deal out of it when he was in Playgirl, whatever the fuck it was. You know, they made a big deal on that. I think I still have that issue, actually. Oh, over, right over on. I bet, on I bet the warden has it. Right. Tell you, I think he borrowed mine. Oh, God. Right. But the the ladies love them. The ladies love type of negative. And I remember that they the bass player played an upright, so they did have a little bit of a different sound. What did I put on there? Uh, Christian woman. Yeah, it's definitely not happy music. It it is. It's like a lot of stuff is like slow and plodding, and it's depressing and it's dark. But here you go. Play it. Eternally, eternally. Ah. 
very gothic, very goth. It's yeah, you you expect it like it's raining and there are gargoyles around and all kinds of other kind of stuff. I like it when I listen to it. Again, it's not something I normally go looking for to put on. And then the last thing I had on here, dude, I think we should probably mention the heavy stuff was the Metallica, the binge and purge box. Set. Love it, man. We had I, this. I still have it in the bar. It's like, above it's, the it's above the beer, the beer cooler yes. behind the bar. I remember seeing it. Our listeners don't know. It was like this box set that Metallica put out from their live shows um, off the black tour off those, you know, like enter Sandman came out and this is the tour that they did and uh, they recorded it in Mexico and it was fucking awesome. It was one of my favorite things that came out by them ever. The box was cool too. It looked like a loadout crate. Like you put yes. all your gear in and stuff. It came out. It came with like stencils of the Metallica logos at that time. Some backstage passes it came with, came with some VHS tapes at the time. Yeah, I love that box. And I I love the recordings of it because it was like when Metallica was really fucked up drinking. They there was like no everything was like fucking so raw when they were drunk all the time. They were everything was just so much faster and you know, James Hetfield, drunken James Hetfield was fucking awesome. Now they're, you know, they're clean and sober, which is way better than anything. But this is a, it, it captures a time of Metallica being the biggest rock stars in the world and being drunk for most of it. It made me a bigger fan to, to see this live shit all the time. I just watched the hell out of it. Here you go, man. You put Whiplash on here. Yeah. That was Jason Newstead, man. Jason Newstead was the man. He that's, fucking rips that out. That's loud. That's heavy. That's fast. That's Metallica. Whiplash is on, I believe, the first album of Metallica. I believe. I can't remember. I'm not going to say it out loud because comic book guy is listening. Um, you were right. It's on. It's on Kill Em All. Yeah, right on. If you hear the regular version of it, it's okay. But that version where it's at. Right on. All right, man. So I think that's all the rock and roll stuff. I've got hip hop and then I've got a long list of just kind of other albums and some one off songs that we can we can rip through. Uh, maybe we take a break here. Awesome. And we'll circle back and we'll take it from there. All right. Stick around. We'll be back. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. I'm really excited to tell you that Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. 
We're so happy to have them on board because they're good people who do good work while making a good product. Let me tell you why. Their motto is grown here, sewn here, because Boldfoot socks are made in America. They have a variety of styles and designs for everything from work, working out, or doing a podcast about music. They're a veteran-owned business and give 5% of all their proceeds to veteran charities. I'm down with companies who pay it forward, so Boldfoot Socks is cool with us and the show. As soon as you're done listening to this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, head on over to boldfoot.com and check out all the different styles they have. That's boldfoot.com. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. I'm going to jump over to some hip-hop music, man. I thought that this year, 1993, was bigger for hip-hop than almost any other genre of music. So many great hip-hop albums came out in 93. I mean, one of the biggest albums that came... I'm sure we're going to go down the whole list of them. I mean, who's the first one we could talk about? Snoop Dogg. That's what I was going to say. Who... What bigger album came out than Doggy Style? Yeah. You know, that album, it's not, he pulled all his music off of Spotify. I know. I know. I tried to find a sound or a song for us to put on. Yeah. Which is kind of shitty of him. He said that he said they pay, they don't pay for shit. So he pulled it and then he said he's working on his own like streaming app or some app that you got to go to to listen to. Oh, yeah. He owns, um, because he owns, uh, uh, the fuck is that death row records he owns yeah. death row now so he pulled all the death row music off of there the chronic isn't on uh spotify it hasn't, anymore. Been, on, it hasn't been on there for years oh really okay yeah, yeah yeah so but i mean the album is one of the most important hip-hop albums ever made it it solidified that whole sound um it, it seemed like he was well he was around earlier than 93 because he was on the chronic and we talked about the chronic in 92 so he was already like a household name when his album dropped you know everybody knew who snoop dogg was when his fucking out and then gin and juice was huge and a couple other songs you know on that album when this album came out this is the one that like c dolores tucker starts going after it was just getting getting crushed for you know his uh portrayal of women and all kinds of other stuff oh my god he was awful <laughs> but that's what snoop is you know he's got it's funny because he has such a different image now right he yeah. did all that shit with martha stewart and he's on like the corona commercials yeah. on the beach with a white dude no, he's, he's trying he's, to rap he's definitely snoop dogg everybody my dad knows who snoop dogg is sure i mean he was in the he was the Super Bowl last year. Right. I mean, He's the double G. you see. I thought it was weird of him when he wanted to be a Rastafarian. Snoop Lion. Yeah, that was really weird. Thankfully, that was short lived. But yeah, but that that sound, man, that G funk real smooth is just uh, you know, I associate that with him. And there's so many artists that came after him that had that sound. But he started oh, every. Oh, everybody start biting off of them. Like the, all that. I think it was all Dre making those 70s mixes, like using all their songs from the 70s. Um, you know, like Parliament. He started mm-hmm. fucking sampling that shit. Yep. Uh, what else? Oh, shit. The other big debut. Uh, another. Well, there's a handful of them. Another one that came out, man. 
uh, the Wu Tang Clan. We're finally yeah. going to talk about the Wu Tang Clan. The Wu. Man, I haven't got around the Cedar TV show yet. I haven't. I, gotta, I didn't even know they had one. Yeah, here it's fucking great. I will have to watch that. Yeah, I have to get on that. We're going to watch that shit and do a whole episode on the Wu. I would love to. I think I mentioned before that you know they're the most brilliant, brilliantly marketed. Oh God, hip hop band yeah. in history, and I we could do yeah. like a like a little little bonus episode or something on the the business side of them. I think it's uh, they're it's fucking fascinating brilliant. To me. They brilliant. really are, man. They should write a book about how the fuck they did it. Just getting their name out there was them. Do you remember the jukebox? The video used to you can make video requests off the phone. So what they did was they get credit cards, they max them the fuck out on the jukebox and had their songs playing over and over and over. And I, dude, I always remember Wu-Tang being on the jukebox channel. So it's like, that makes a lot of sense that they were the ones that were maxing out credit cards to do that shit. Even like, I mean, in the grand scheme of hip hop music too, like they brought the spotlight back to New York, right? Cause like the biggie album's not out yet. Like all that other East coast shit, like, you know, California is so big with Dre and Snoop and all that other kind of stuff. And this is, it sounds so different than Snoop Dogg. Uh, the samples were different than what other people were using. Oh, they were God, like, it was so different. They were goofy, right? They, they made like references to like comic books and pop culture and shit like that. They had those little, but that's what's cool about the Wu Tang. Yeah. They, you know, the Rizza, you know, he's a like he, a comic book guy, you know, and, and he, dude, he is. A fucking genius like absolutely absolutely i he cannot does, agree like, with you more all the album scores he does now you know he did uh he wrote the scores for the kill bill movies yeah he just does all i talked before about how he wrote another like an ice cream truck jingle yes i remember it. that because he, he didn't did, like the one that was like it, it came out of the, some old some old like racist yeah. song and he was like he just yeah. wrote it and was like i'm just, i'm giving it away i don't want any money He's like, just kind of like, hey, man, let's just talk about this and just, you know, just really, really cool. I hope who is the who's the dirt ball that bought the Wu-Tang album that the pharmaceutical guy? Yeah. yeah. Well, how cool would it be if the Wu-Tang fucking bought it back and put that shit out? It would be be brilliant for the They sell all kinds of fucking. Yeah. Unreal. Especially maybe ODB's on it. Come on. They used to make each other too. Like when they would record, it's like, you know, there was like nine of them. It's like, how do you, who gets the spotlight? The RZA would have them actually like do rap battles and the winner would get to be on the album. Wow. So like in some of their solo shit, I think it's like, I'm I'm a little rusty, my Wu-Tang, but like one of them was like Raekwon, Raekwon's album. There's one like, there's just like a song called Raekwon versus Method Man or something like that. And it's just one of those rap battles. How many albums came out the Wu Tang uh, title or the uh, yep. record company? You had the Red Man, you had the RZA, you had um, ODB. Red Man wasn't in Wu Tang. Method Man was. Method Man, maybe. And that's Method what Man I was did. About. Method Man did shit with Red Man. Yeah. Okay. Right? Yeah, you had Old Dirty Bastard, Raekwon, uh, the Jizza, that the Liquid Swords album was huge. And they all had albums out. They were brilliant. It was brilliant. 
And then they had like flunkies, like other guys that weren't yeah. in Wu-Tang. They were like affiliates that came out. Yeah, dude. And every one of those things sold a million copies. With place of Wu-Tang. Yeah, dude. Protect your neck. Who the fuck's courting those guys, man? The beats are still good. Like the beats That's so up. New York. That sound is so New York. The way they hand off to each other is great. It's just a great album, dude. You don't have to be a hip hop fan to listen to that and appreciate no, it. That whole album is I would love to get that on vinyl. That'd be a great one to have. That would be that would be cool to have. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that blows my mind that that album is 30 years old. But man, we yeah. couldn't keep that on the record store. It was enormous. And then they had the other, the double album that came out. Like they kind of got back together. Oh my God. We had to keep everything behind the fucking behind the, the cash register because dude, it was walking out the door. Yep. So many like you, we never had copies of the first Wu-Tang album in the record store because they were all stolen. Yep. Fucking unbelievable. Out the door. Shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, ya, shimmy, yo. <laughs> Shoplifter, <laughs> dollar dollar bill, y'all. I still say that all the time, and that's from from the Wu Tang Clan. But the Wu, I'm telling you, I'm gonna watch that TV show, and we're gonna do a fucking little right. show about the Wu. Remember, we were working in Sam Goody. We had one of those like they gave us these stupid yellow T-shirts to wear for some promotion, and I cut the sleeve off. And I put it on my head and I took a Sharpie marker and I drew the Wu-Tang W on it. <laughs> and somebody asked me what it was. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a new the new Wu wear, like the, the budget line or some <laughs> shit like that. Uh, all right, man, I got a couple other hip hop albums. Cypress Hill's debut album came out this oh, year. Yeah, dude. Great fucking record, man. I, again, another hip hop band that nothing sounded like that. They crossed over, man. They weren't just like a hip hop band. They were like almost like a like they had like a rock band persona about them. Insane in the brain was a huge crossover hit for yeah. for white folk in the suburbs. And remember they like it was much later. Remember they did that album. They did like a rap version and they did a rock version. They did like that song rap superstar and they did a version called rock superstar. Yeah, it's coming back to me. It was later. I think it was in the 2000s when it came out. Be real is my man. Yeah. Like he's the uh, if. You know, he's fucking unbelievable. I would yeah. love to hang out with that guy and just, uh, talk, sure. and just talk shit and like do bong hits. Speaking of bong hits, let's play the fucking beginning of hits the from a bong. Here we go. Yeah. Again, the sample is fresh, little Dusty Springfield. Nice. Yeah. You know, in 93, they were really 
these rap groups, Snoop, Cypress, all of them pushing like about weed. You know, it was like weed was now a household name again. I remember in my high school, Philly Blunts were big at the time and wearing the, the gear, Philly Blunt gear. With the Philly big. Blunt logo on it. Yeah. I mean, that was huge with the, uh, I don't know, with the skateboarder kids, with the hip hop kids. It was it was time when weed was getting really popular everywhere. Sure. It was the beginning, you know, even Bill Clinton, you know, right. he admitted that he was right. smoking weed, you know, right, he didn't inhale. I didn't inhale. It was a, he was funny when he said that he was like, it's one of the, uh, it's one of the most things that I failed in my life. <laughs> uh, like other things I failed in my life at. All right. A couple other hip hop albums. Salt and Peppa's album came out Love very it. necessary. But the best selling female hip hop album of all time at the time. God, I was listening to some of their songs and that took me back. Listen to some of their shit. Yeah. Like Shoop was on there. That was a huge song. What a man was a big yeah. song. Yeah. I love Salt and Pepper. I don't think we need to play anything by them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tupac had an album come out this year. It wasn't as huge as some of his later stuff, but it was still. It was uh, still uh, groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, it's still some of his art. You know what? All right, I got two other ones. One was Onyx. Yeah, I remember that. That song kind of has like a. I'll play a little bit of it in a second, but it has like a almost like a punk vibe to it a little bit was to me. It like slam. It, yeah. 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 They were definitely heavy. Yeah, it was like it was just different sound. They were just they seemed like just real angry dudes. I think it was mostly like hype. Like they wanted to get everybody hype up. I don't necessarily think they were angry. I don't know. That's you're probably right. It, it, it was a cool song though. Here, a little bit of it. Just a different delivery. I mean, you think of Snoop Dogg. It makes you it makes you want to get into a mosh pit, like slams. So like instead of Snoop, makes you just want to chill the fuck out. You know, Onyx makes you want to get in the pit. I think that's was maybe what they were going for. There's like an edginess to their music, so which was different for '93. Sure, you, yeah, you know, for hip hop to have like uh, edge of it to have something. I agree. Right, the last thing I had on here wasn't a big hit, and that was the Guru Jazzmatazz album. Did you listen to this? I sent it to you. Like, I remember I you liking this all the time. I remember you talked about it. Why don't you educate me on it? So Guru is one half of the guys in Gangstar, and which I really it's a hip hop group that I really like. And but he ra- and I remember, dude, I remember when this came out. And I totally forgot about it for like 20 years. And then when I was looking up the list of albums that came out, I'm like, oh, fuck, I remember this. And so he sings or he raps over. He's got a live uh, jazz band behind him the whole time when he raps. I'll play a little bit. This is a song called Lounging. Check it out. If I'm this, you will find this situation shall advance. You 
you could take a glance or dance Elevated lyrics to arouse a crowd Now tell me who's the man to show you how Many legacies of brothers who get busy And I do it fluid till the suckers get dizzy Saying peace to the Blackbirds 125th Street And check the flow that's unique For lounging, lounging, lounging Mellow out and just lounging Lounging, lounging Mellow out and just lounging Can't refuse this, never lose this It's a choice, it's cause my voice is I love the horn in the background. The horn in the background's killer. Uh, you think about hip hop now and all that auto tune bullshit. Yeah. And compared to this, I'm like, that is so fresh sounding, just so different. Yes. He did a whole series of them too. He did, I think there's like three or four of them. Just really, really cool. That's very cool, man. I don't know too much about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Gangstar was cool. I think he, I think Guru passed away. Yeah. He died in 2010. But okay. So. But yeah, just really cool. So yeah, um, that's a great sound that has a 93, 90 sound to it, bro. Definitely. Uh, I bet I got a whole list of other albums we can just kind of tear through and let me know if there's any of them you want to talk about. Before I do that, I want to mention that I watched one of those YouTube videos that had like, here's a list of songs that turn 30. And I was like, holy shit, man, dance music. Everything sounded exactly the same in 93. It was awful. And I got yeah, and a lot of R&B music in 1993 sucked, too. Oh, my God, dude. There were so many groups that were fucking awful. Yeah. 90s uh, rhythm and blues music is not very good. I I think it's not very good. It was corny as shit. Yeah. I thought it was corny. It was like a a thousand like Jodeci bands. That's right. That's who I have on the notes. Jodeci, SWV, Tevin Campbell, Blackstreet. Tony Braxton, it just it's all not. There's no soul to it. It's just Tony sucks, Braxton so. was all right. Yeah, th- that was a big album too. But that was a huge album. Yeah, a couple of these albums. I know we got some songs on the playlist. The miscellaneous odds and ends. The Butthole Surfers album, Independent Worm Saloon. I dude, I love this album so much. I listen to this front to back all the time when I was in really. The I never got down with the Butthole Surfers. I always liked what they did. Uh, with ministry yeah jesus built my hot rod that was a great song this uh they got the worst name in rock and roll and oh my god it's so offensive but they that album dude i listened to that front to back this is another thing that as we were getting ready to do the show i fired it up and i was like oh man i used to listen to this so much when i was in high school we put uh who was in my room last night on there i remember that from like beavis and butthead i think it was on 120 minutes or headbangers ball too oh they were all over that stuff yeah. mcb had them all over they, they they were had a gimmick their name was their gimmick you know their album covers were awesome too yeah some of the stuff was like censored remember that uh, it was oh, like yeah. the the one the album that came up after this they had this they had censored but all right here's a little bit of that song Love it. I yeah, love that album. Great sound. I love I love the extortion on his voice. 
there's a couple songs on there that he's got like really really heavy there's a song on that album called the annoying song where he has <laughs> so much distortion on his voice it's uh annoying it's it's weird yeah that's the point but it's like real <laughs> high-pitched but here wait hang on uh the annoying song anyway he's just trying to be weird yeah uh, the Candlebox album came out this year. That was a solid rock and roll album. That was uh, a solid album, like you said. Cheryl Crow's album came out, Tuesday Night Music Club. That was a big one. That was a really big one. Collective Souls. I'm sorry, do you have something on no, Cheryl Crow? Uh, no, no. What, what, what do I want to say about yeah. Cheryl Crow? And <laughs> nothing yeah. to add. She still looks great, man. She's like 60. And she still looks Is she? good. She yeah. writes some great songs. She does, man. She it's we talked before a couple times on the show about how she went through that period where she was trying to be sexy, and it was like that's it was just weird. not that's not her. So like, weird. yeah, the the sexy gothic look, and it was like, dude, just you're you have a great voice. You write really just great fucking, hooky pop songs. Just like I seen her in concert. Have you? And it yeah, and it's like one hit after the other. Yeah. You don't realize how many fucking songs she has. Unreal. Yeah, she's still she's still making music, man. It's, here we are, thirty years later. Uh, Collective Souls debut album came out. That they were they were kind of cool. Good. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The next one, you're gonna break my balls. But the Crash Test Dummies album, God shuffled his feet. I I like I, the dummies. I fucking love this album so much. That song was yeah. It kind of it kind of derailed their reputation because it was so weird, but. uh they're still out there. They're still out there. They're coming to Philly. Are they? Yeah, they're playing like one of these. It's called the winery, I believe, in uh, the the fashion district in Philadelphia. Check it out. I'm going to go look. I saw them play the Scottish Rite Auditorium in Collingswood. Where they played the whole this whole album front to back. It was for wow. the anniversary of it, dude. And I was I was nerding out so hard. I was like, this I never is got so- down with them. I like their I like that mm song, you know. It's it's quirky. I put uh the first song on here, God Shuffled His Feet. I'll just I'll play 10 seconds of it. Let me skip ahead on it though. Yeah, play it. I think that sound. Yeah, dude. It was they were a little little quirky, a little artsy, but yeah, um, he's I got that really he's got a, that crazy bass. baritone voice. Yeah. So I, I love that album, dude. I that that's, that's great. One of my, yeah. Frank Sinatra duets. This was big. This got this was huge when it came out. Yeah. So he came out. It was like a couple of them, if I remember. It was yeah. like a series. It was like a series of they took Sinatra songs. And they added artists to the recording, almost like when um, Unforgettable, yeah. yes, Natalie yeah. Cole and that can click to that. But like he did with everybody from Pavarotti to Bono, it, it got a lot of shit. It got a lot of crap down on it, man. It got a lot of bad press because they didn't record it together. They're not in the studio together, right? It's all like edited they just, together. If I- yeah, like they, they glued the original version and then they put like the artist and i i put under my skin on there play a little bit of it yeah let's yeah. play it it's good to i don't know i don't know if a lot of people remember that this they did these 
Bono's trying a little too hard there, but yeah, they tried to make that the single off of that. There was a video for it and everything. I just don't. Maybe I have to correct myself. I don't know if they have if that's the original recordings that they added Bono to. I think maybe there was Frank Sinatra singing a new version of it when Bono sang. I don't think they were in the same room or anything together or even recording at the same time. But that definitely didn't sound like the original recording. No, I'll have, have to look into that a little bit. I that's another thing that I remember when it came out. I remember being in a music store, having posters and shit all over the place for it. People, and I, Sinatra fans were not happy. They were pissed. He also was pretty open to how much he hated rock and roll and stuff like that. I, we talked about that in the uh, the Rat Pack episode. But yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, what else we got on here? Kate Bush came out with an album. We that was that's yeah. We don't need to talk about. We her. don't want you to talk about her. No, <laughs> we like totally like. Yeah. Totally, she's like getting a rock and roll hall of fame and shit. We just like jump right over. Her. She's getting in this year. She's you see she's nominated again this year. She's she's getting in the Judgment Night soundtrack, dude. The Judgment Night Amazing. soundtrack man is. It was so far ahead of its time. It really is, man. The movie's largely forgettable, but the soundtrack was they partnered up a hip hop artist and a rock and roll artist on every song. And it was like uh, Cypress Hill and Pearl Jam did a cut together, which is which is really good. You put album is great. Yeah. You put Ice-T and Slayer together doing uh, this. Well, you didn't put them together, but you put the song on here. Uh, (laughs) The song Disorder. Here's a little bit of that, dude. I guess you shouldn't be surprised after like the body count stuff, but no, that was a great, great record. I mean, the body count album was fucking that times a hundred, you know, but what a great Slayer song. The drum intro is fucking killer. Yeah, that album was was really, really cool. I remember hearing that and just being like, dude, nothing sounds like this. I remember like, remember the band Prong? I think they were on there. Yes, the Booyah Tribe was on there with uh, Faith No More. Yeah, Sir Mix a Lot was on there. It was it was a great album, dude. If you've never listened to it, it's totally worth going back and checking out. It's got some really cool stuff. And when you think about it, that rock rap, yeah, you know, there wasn't new metal, there wasn't any of that other Nothing. stuff yet. So yeah, there was none of that way yet. different. So, and the movie's great. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's okay. Uh, that Dennis is Leary. Leary, come on. Yeah, um, Dennis Leary's the bad guy. How can it not be good? 
what else came out this year? Lenny Kravitz's album came out. That was a really Great big record. one. You know, Great Are You Gonna record. Go My Way was on there. Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell 2 kind of brought Ugh. Meatloaf back into the that mainstream. That song was good. That whole album was a fucking... Ugh. I, I just remember listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, it's so overproduced. Yeah. You know, he'd been out of the spotlight for years, and that yeah, became a but big it was deal. great for him. It reamped his whole, you know, his whole uh, career. Reintroduced him to a whole yeah. other crowd. Yeah, I remember him coming out with that and hearing that I'd do anything for love, and then like going back and listening to the original album, the Bad Out of Hell album. It just introduced it to me that's other record and i really got into bad out of hell you ever like really get into that record no Holy i'm not a, i'm not a really was... big i'm not a really big meatloaf fan that album is fucking unbelievable okay. i have it on vinyl it's kick ass i don't care what anybody says all right I'll, I'll listen to it i'll give it a listen uh what else oh do you ever listen to the band morphine i remember them they were really cool because they don't have any guitars it's just like a drum a bass and a uh, baritone saxophone weird and uh really different really weird they never had a lot of commercial success but they had such a cool sound i had a song called bueno on here so i'll play it just because they were so different sounding cool and i feel all right now i have to tell you i think it's time for me to finally introduce you to the point of That's great. It's really cool. He was a sad story, too. He died of a heart attack on stage during a concert. He just keeled over and died. Oh, wow. That's and awful. I yeah. And I don't think he I don't think he was like a drug user or anything. He just had a heart just attack. Had a, oh, that's fucking yeah. awful. Yeah. Just fell over in the middle of a concert. So and then, and then the band, uh, obviously, they broke up. But yeah, his name was Mark Sandman. I remember the band. I mean, the name is fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Is such a great name, it, but it, I never thought about their music or anything. But you introducing them is fucking real, man. That's some good stuff. They're cool, man. They're worth checking out. They had that real kind of like a coffee house kind of vibe, but it's a little darker. I, sounds, I never but. knew anything about them until now. It's great. Yeah, it's worth listening to. Uh, a couple other albums Primus, Pork Soda came out. We just did a two we hour show. A show and, uh, great album. Yeah, awesome. Pablo Honey by Radiohead. Was, love it. It was enormous. I don't, you don't I, like Radiohead. I, I don't. Get it. Yeah. I love Radiohead. I, I, you know, yeah, I can't say any, I, I'm not going to waste your time. Bruce. It's okay. a great. It's a great record. Yeah. You're probably not going to sell me on that one. It's but. one of their last guitar albums. Okay. You know, and then they, after that, you know, the, the Benz came out and that's kind of a guitar album. And then, okay. Computer came out and that's when they start getting electronic. Yeah. I love them, okay. dude. I love them. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Uncle Tupelo came out. That was like the who? band that they were like, do you, do you ever listen to Wilco? Yo, yeah, I totally know who Wilco, Wilco is. Wilco and another band, Sunvolt. They're kind of like a. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those yeah. guys, both of the, the guys from both of those bands were in a band called Uncle Tupelo and Uncle Tupelo split up and those guys went off to start this. They're both separate bands. So right on. Yeah, yeah, I totally know who Sunvolt is and those dudes. Right on. Yeah. And all right, so the last album we had is, you might break my balls, is 
Fumbling Towards Ecstasy by Sarah McLaughlin. This is in my top 10 favorite albums. I, of it's a great time. record. It's a great record. I, okay, I just, cool. No, it's it's fucking great. Her voice is unbelievable. I think she should be in a Raw Hall of Fame before Kate Bush says, <laughs> you know? I'd be all for that. This album, dude, is just so... It's just sexy, man. Like the the That's a good way to put it. It's got like a like a trip hop kind of sound to it. Like uh there's a lot of like electronic drums on it. It's not like her later stuff. It's re- it's not like the acoustic guitar singer-songwriter stuff. It's awesome, dude. I just I listened anything? to the, Yeah, dude, I got Possession on here, which was a hit and it was a song about somebody that that stalked her, a fan that stalked her. But uh dude, I listened to this album I probably listened to it five times the last two weeks and I was like I was like, man, I fucking love this album so much. Great. Here you go. I remember that song being huge as much as I am in the you know, Springsteen and social distortion and everything. That album just great. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I was like planning all week. I was going to message during the week and be like, dude, I'm going to be fanboy all over this album. I was like, now nah, let me just, uh, no, let me just, do it up, let me just I don't know. I, I mean, my sister loves Sarah McLaughlin. That's the most thing I know about her. I know she's fucking awesome. You know, she had her moment of fate, like her in the spotlight. She was big in Little Affair. That was huge. Yeah. Little Affair was huge. Um, yeah, yeah so props off to her. She has, she's got a great song on the uh, soundtrack to Angels and City of Angels, I believe. Yeah, some of her later stuff didn't have that same like the music musically behind it. It wasn't as dark. It was more like singer songwriter kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, still cool. But it wasn't as as dark and shit. Yeah, like eerie as that album is. So she put out a couple years after that. She put out like a a, a movie, a, a concert video, and I was watching it this week of her, and she's in like a like an evening gown and she's singing. She just you know her. I don't know. I, I was just she's like, great. I was just watching her sing, and I was like, man, she can. Uh, yeah, awesome. I saw her tour behind this album, and it was like just awesome. Great. So, all right, I can I could go. I had a big poster of that album cover hanging in my room. Is a is a high school. Okay, Bruce, so. we get it. No, I'm right. kidding. I'm only no, kidding. No, buddy. it's all good, dude. <laughs> like, all right, man. I yeah, saw opportunity for a joke. I'm sorry. It's all good. It's all good. That's yeah. You know, hey, we've I've got my balls busted on the air about going to Little Fair at some point too. So, uh, I, man, I, uh, we'll get to that story at some point. All right, I got some <laughs> some songs that four non blondes. What's up, song? I, Oh, uh, thumbs down. Yeah, yeah. I saw um, them in concert. Did you really? They opened up for Aerosmith. Okay, well, that's different than okay. That's yeah. acceptable. If you see a band and they're opening, that's, yeah, that's they're okay. un they're they're unrememberable. Yeah, Let's I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, good by better than Ezra. That was a solid great like, song. Nineties. Yeah, they're cool. Billy Joel, River of Dreams. Yeah, that was the first thing he did in years, and it was the last thing he did. Yeah. 
It was he hasn't put a record out until dude, think about it. He hasn't put a record out in 30 fucking years. That fucking dude. And he's still playing Madison Square Garden every month. Still playing the same fucking songs, man. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when he retired. You're right. That was like the nineties when he retired from making pop music. Yeah, and he, he that was the last record he fucking yeah. made. Wow. He's full of himself. He's full of shit. Yeah. I you you were dunking on him a little bit last week too. Yeah. Cannonball by the Breeders. That was Great kind of song. a yeah, that was a cool song. Weren't they that, like part of another band? The I, Breeders? His, yeah. Uh I want to say Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth or some shit. Kim Deal and her sister, Kelly Deal. The Pixies. She was in the, the Pixies. Pixies. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Cannonball's cool, man. Yeah, that was a decent song. I should have known that, too, because I had Pixies on my uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubs last year. But anyway, that fucking song from Robin Hood, the Brian Adams, Sting, oh, Rod Stewart, that was all that? for one. Oh my God, Rod Stewart, Sting, and Brian Adams. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, I like Brian Adams a lot. Uh, so do I. But that yeah. for that movie, uh, the Disney yeah, Robin, film, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Costner. No, it wasn't Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It was the three, the three Musketeers. Oh movie. yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Disney You're right. film. Right. Brian Adams did the. Uh, he did the. He did do the the Prince Robin Hood. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You're right. Okay. Yeah, uh, Brian Adams going out on tour with Joan Jett, bro. Is he? I'll yeah, see that. I, they're coming like with Billy. They're coming with Billy. Yeah, I like Brian Adams. I like Joan Jett. She was awesome, dude. Yeah, we talked about that opening for Crew. Depeche Mode, I feel for you. That was a cool song. That was a big record. Cool like that by Diggable Planets. That was the only like song they had. Like I'm, I'm cool, cool like that. that. Yeah, I'm it was cool. cool like they had that. like a I'm cool had like, like a jazz sound to it. Totally. I think hip hop had a big like jazz feel going on at that time. Duran Duran had a couple songs like Come Undone and Ordinary World. Ordinary World's a great song. Yeah. I like Come Undone a lot too. Oh, you you sent me this earlier in the week, dude. The Three Little Pigs by Green Jelly. This album Love was it. great. It was know, so fucking awesome. I know record. you don't like I know you don't like humor in your music, no, but this, but this album is different. was funny. I had this album and I had the VHS home video. Every awesome. song had a video for it. Dude. I had I had it when it was like Green Jello before they got sued. Oh, absolutely. They had to change the name. Oh, absolutely. Green Jello all the way. That was an awesome song. Let's play a little bit of that. Yeah, it's such fuck a, yeah. Yeah, here you The video is so great. Dude. Uh, the claymation. They had an album come out in two th- then twenty twenty one. Huh. There's some also <laughs> some 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 crap like that. Hadaway, what is love? Baby, what is love? Me. Yeah, that don't hurt me. The bad boys. The theme from Cops came out. That was that uh, came out in ninety three. Yeah, seems oh, like wow. it should have come out in like seventy three. Yeah, yeah eighty three. Yeah. Well, uh, laid by James. That song's like a classic. You know, every hate that song, every bar band. Oh, uh, my that. band has to play it, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, "Come Baby Come" by K Seven. Nice swing, bada 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 yeah. bada swing swing. Pets by Porno for Pyros. That was uh, 
Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction. That was sure. his side project. That was sure. that was a cool album. I'm not a big Jane's Addiction fan, but I remember that album was was cool. Yeah, like I like the Addiction. They're yeah. fucking awesome. Fade into You by Mazzy Star. That was a really Great song. That was really cool. Informer by Snow. Go Lame for ass. it, Bruce. Uh, yeah, he was like he wrote that when he was in prison. He like for attempted what? murder or something. He and Informer is like about a jail informer he's like this like stupid white dude trying to be all gangster and but he was in jail when he wrote the song yeah yeah and then he comes out of jail and mt or you know record companies like hey thug come out right and he, you know <laughs> right. he was like the whitest guy ever uh like uh informer like yeah, in former months you were working at a gas station because it's your crappy music him uh, and vanilla ice went on tour together oh my god so lame it's called the blizzard of the eyes <laughs> or whatever <laughs> Last Chance for Mary Jane by Tom Great Petty song. came out this year. That, that was for Greatest Hits thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great song. Uh, Great video. Remember with Kim Basinger? Yes, yeah, Kim Basinger. Dead. Yeah. I Can't Help Falling in Love by for you, With You by UB40. Yeah, It was on the, the Sliver soundtrack. They're like the biggest cover band of all time. Yeah, they uh, with Red Red Wine. Yeah. Which is yeah. a cover. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Almost all their songs are covers. And then for some reason, man, there were two songs that came out. There's one that came out in March called Whoop, There It Is. And then in May, there was a song that came out called Whoop, There It Is by Tag Team. Or is it the same fucking song? It's the same fucking song. The, uh, the chorus is the same. One just goes like, Whoop, There It uh, Is. Yeah, oh, you're going to play them? Yeah. I, you know, we don't need to. We're, we're running so far. We're talking, but but I remember like, when I think of Whoop, There It Is. I think of the 1993 Philadelphia Phillies. That team was fucking amazing. There were a bunch of has-beens and drunks and guys. One last chance kind of. Yeah. They, that was a great, great ball. They should make a fucking movie about that, that baseball team. Yeah, that was a fun year, man. With, with yeah, sports. there it is was like a big, their big fucking big. song. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think that's it, dude. We just we just covered a shit ton of music, man. But um, a lot of really cool stuff, dude. Yeah, man. I look forward to doing the show every week, man. I hope everybody else, you know, at home listening, takes their mind off things for a while. You know, it does the same thing for me. Yeah, man. Uh, why don't we move on to the second thoughts and music news? Let me play our new exit bumper. Yeah. Second thoughts, man. Uh, we got an email from Jim from Ohio. I listened to your episode on Live Aid. There was a lot of great performances, but the story of what happened after the show is just as interesting. So the BBC reported that most of the money that was raised by Live Aid and Band-Aid went to the people in Ethiopia who actually started the famine in the first place, and they used the money to buy weapons. But... The BBC then had to do a retraction and say they didn't have any evidence to back that up. And they had to apologize in public to Bob Geldorf. It was an enormous embarrassment. Also, you guys didn't talk about Live 8, the follow-up to Live 8. Keep doing the great work. Thanks, Jim. Live 8 sucked. That's why we didn't talk about it. Oh, yeah. I went to it. I went to Did it you? Did you? The biggest thing that I remember that I saw was Jay-Z with Linkin Park. That shit was unbelievable. That's the one like Pink Floyd got back together, right? They did the yeah. reunion. Yeah. I forget where they were, but it wasn't in Philly. It wasn't a Philly. Yeah. It's probably. No. In London. Yeah. 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 It was pretty interesting, man. That they, they, the BBC published this whole thing. Like the money went to go buy 
arms and weapons. And then they were like, Geldorf like sued them. And they had to go like, oh, yeah, we had, we're actually, that's not true. We don't have any evidence. So wow. yeah. try to do something nice. Right. I know. Phil from Pennsylvania. He's been, uh, we read one of his emails last week. He sent me an email. Phil Collins shit the bed on two continents on the same day in Live Aid. It's amazing. Yeah, and right then, on. It, it has right, been right. done. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't Challenge think anybody seven. else will do it ever again. No. And then lastly, second thoughts. I want to give a shout out to Anthony from New Jersey. He's a high school student, but uh, he listens to every one of our episodes and he is constantly telling his friends about us. So just just really, really cool. Every time I, I see him, I'm friends with his parents. He's asking questions about certain things and giving us oh, ideas I met for that shows. Little dude. I yeah. met that little dude before. Yeah, yeah really man. cool. His parents so, are great people. Yeah, it's just awesome that I uh, really appreciate the the support and always spreading the word. So I yeah. gave him some stickers uh, a couple months ago. I should probably give him some more to hand out. Thanks, little so, buds. Yeah, man. Very cool. All right. Music news. I guess it's kind of second thoughts, too. But two of the people we talked about last week in the episode died. So the first yeah. one was. How about that? Really weird, right? Yeah, it was weird. So the first one was David Crosby. So he died January 18th at 81 years old. You know, obviously a big part of the California folk rock sound sound of the 60s and 70s in the birds and in Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. I didn't realize he was in his 80s, but and he that dude had a rough paper route, too. He, had, he was an awful you know, guy, too. Yeah. He was not a nice guy. Wasn't he the, the father of Melissa Etheridge's fucking kid? It was like a secret for a billion years. And then it came out and it was like the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. Yes, I had for, totally forgotten about that, but I remember something like that. He was he was interesting that like when he would do a documentary, he was he was very open about talking about music, which I found yeah. interesting. But yeah, he was a, not a nice dude. But yeah. And then the second one was Jerry Blavitt passing away. And a lot of our listeners, if you don't live in Philadelphia, you probably have no idea who he is. But I thought it was really it was worth mentioning. So he was a, a radio DJ and his nickname was the Geeter with the Heater which is who the fuck knows what that means, but he just kind of made it up. But he died January 20th at 82 years old. And he was on the air in Philadelphia for like decades, but he was cool because he was really famous for playing songs by black musicians in the sixties. And we talked about this in one of the other episodes, like, you know, back then record labels would hear a song by an African-American artist and they would have a white dude record a version yeah, of it. Sure. So it'll sell more. And Jerry Blavitt would only play, he would play the black, singer for the originals so was, yeah i mean jerry was a huge icon in south philadelphia i mean not for nothing he his childhood home is around the corner from where i live on Ritter oh really Street. absolutely my dad grew up with them around them not say so much with them but around them um but jerry is a big thing for philadelphia rock and roll yeah i never got a chance to meet him but for what he did was Elsie did. He started playing the flip side of the of the single, the B sides. Like, yes, he was doing that. A lot of people didn't like his style because he would talk over the music. But I always found it interesting because he would tell you facts about the songs. It's something like me and you could totally get down with. He would tell you when it was recorded, who recorded it what guy would they had for breakfast the day before you know like he was very intelligent of his music history i i wish i got to meet him dude i never got to meet him and he had guys like you know, like aretha franklin was speaking highly of him like he was he was pretty well known in like the Dionne music scene. gave him his gave his eulogy 
somebody gave me um, his prayer card from his funeral. I have it hanging up in the bar already. Very cool. He also probably played a really big part in the rise of the Philadelphia Soul Sound, too. Totally. Yeah, that's a yeah, whole. That, he, that's a thing. Anything that came out of Philadelphia, he 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 pushed. He was a character. He was just bigger than life. And I think the last twenty years of his life, the only thing that kept them going was the cocaine and the Viagra. He used to get. He would go out and DJ like four nights a week. My my mom. Oh yeah. Her. My mom's in her mid seventies and she still goes out dancing like four nights a week and would go places where he was, where he was DJ. She actually, uh, I saw her over the weekend and she was like, are you going to talk about Jerry Blavitt dying on your show? I was like, we, we actually just talked about him before he died. So yeah, I was telling my dad, we were talking about him. He was like, Oh, that's weird that you were talking about him before he died. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah. We talk about Kate Bush all the time and nothing happens to her. So (laughs) that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Bam. Uh, No. All right. Uh, the electric chair. Uh, you got something, right? Yeah. Uh, in 1993, one of the corniest bands around came out with one of the corniest albums around. And it's the Spin Doctors. That album, Pocket Full Kryptonite, was so cheesy and so awful, man. It was always on the fucking radio. It's, what did I put there? Two Princes? Two Princes. Yeah, here. Let's play it. And, uh, just the beginning of it. Remember 1993, this song was everywhere. I hate the sound of the snare drum. I fucking hate it. I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia page because there was something like he had like a throat problem, like and he couldn't sing for a while and he rehabbed back to being able to sing. Oh, that's cool. He suffered from a vocal cord paralysis and he could he could barely speak, let alone sing. And he's rehabbed and uh, I guess they're they're doing another. He's got some solo albums out. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, that he's back out there. Good for him. Yeah, it's like I, I respect that. He also. Uh, oh, he went to high school with my wife. He went to the same high school my wife did. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which also is where John Popper went to high school. Yes. I remember no. we were talking, me and her were talking about that. Yeah. She, that makes a lot of sense, dude, because they're they're a part of a big scene, the whole, like the Horde Fest. They're a big scene together. He's a year younger than John Popper, but yeah, interesting. Huh. Look at that. Three famous people. My wife, uh, Chris Gross from this goddamn band. You know what, dude? <laughs> he put something on, on Twitter the other day. He's like, we have a, I think it was a Spin Doctors. They said we have a new album in the can, ready to go. And our account, I wrote back, like, I hope it's a trash can. <laughs> That's <laughs> <No>. awful. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's man. let's just let's yeah, put it down. Misery. We sentence you to death. Uh, you know what, dude? Before we we wrap up, too, we do have to say to, uh, we're recording this. It's February first, and it's our super fan Omar's birthday, according to Facebook. Happy birthday, Omar! Thank you for listening, man. It's also my wife's birthday, which is which That's is amazing. weird. It is weird. The same so. day. Does the warden know that? I I think he does. So, oh. I, you know, I married a good woman when I was like, hey, do you want me to do the show another night? <laughs> no. Your birthday. Yeah. She's like, no, go, go do your show. Like, I'm, she's a very you know, good woman. Absolutely. It was she was the brains behind our show. 
She was. She was the inspiration. She's like, get off your ass and go do this. She's sitting in the other room with uh, getting ready for some cake or done here. So, well, I don't want to keep you, my man. All right, man. So that's a wrap on episode 57. Thanks so much. Joining this musical trip back to 1993. We never lose sight of the fact that every time you listen to us, you're choosing to spend time listening to us or we're doing something else. So just thank you. Oh, my God, guys, we really appreciate it. I look forward to this every two weeks to do this with Bruce and takes my mind off of shit in life. And I hope it does the same for you guys. Absolutely, man. And I, I said this 20 times already in the show. I had so much fun listening to this music. Yeah, it was. this was a great week. I really had a great time. Speaking of the music, we only play 30 second clips on the show. But if you want to hear more of all this great music from 1993, we put together a Spotify playlist for every episode. There's a link to it in the show notes. And while you're in the show notes, you can check out links to our social media pages and our website at Prisoners of Rock and Roll and our email at show at Prisoners of Rock and Roll dot com. So that's it, man. We'll be back in two weeks with some more entertainment and education. Yeah, man. Keep on rocking. Peace out. I'm just a prisoner. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.